This is the Manga Mavericks Podcast from AllComic.com, episode 56. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I am Sid. And what we thought we were going to talk about on this episode, it turns out we will not be talking about it on this episode. So instead, we're going to be talking about something else. Woo! Oh boy, I love something else. And we've got another special one-shot to talk about. This time from Akira Amano of Reborn and Eldlife fame, it's hot. That's the title. It's hot. And guess what the series hot is about? Can you guess, Hilton? Um, well, I just read it, but um, I think it. I, I think it's a sports thing. It's a. But based it... on the title, what what would you think it's about? Uh. NASCAR, right? You would think Hot Wheels, driving, fire on the side of cars, right? That's what you would think of first, right? No? No, No, because it's not a racing manga, surprisingly. It's an ice hockey manga. The title is like the antithesis of what the content of the series is. Wow, that's comedy gold right there. Yes. (laughs) But uh, we should probably get to the news, and thankfully, I don't think we have a ton to talk about this episode. Yeah, this should be a relatively short news portion for this episode. We don't have a whole lot. Uh, I think that last month, with that convention craziness, just overloaded us. And now we might just have some uh, smooth sailing for a while with like a shorter doses of news to talk about. Which would be quite nice after, you know, them having multiple episodes this year just devoted to discussing news for hours on end. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, Sid, I believe we have a list to talk about. That's right. ICV2 has released their list of the top 10 manga franchises of spring 2018. This list reflects sales in all trade channels for spring 2018 based on analysis of sales through comic stores and book channels, including online retailers. And so let's discuss what the top 10 manga franchises in the North American market are, starting from bottom all the way up to the top. And so at number 10, we have Junji Ito Horror Books. Junji Ito is one of the top 10 manga franchises, guys. That's awesome. It's really great to see his works do so well. He's truly become a big name, like in terms of recognition now, finally. He was always, you know, widely acclaimed among the manga community. But it seems that his popularity has only grown in modern times. So it's really great. And then at nine, we've got Fairy Tale from Kodansha Comics. Fairy Tale, of course, finished its print run. The original series finished its print run in the U.S. earlier this June. But of course, we still have tons of spinoffs to look forward to being released for years and years to come. So I'm sure the Fairy Tale franchise will continue to trickle on in the North American market. At number eight, we've got Berserk from Dark Coast Comics. And Berserk, from what I have heard, is actually Dark Horse's most popular, highest-selling title of all time, period, not just in terms of manga. So, you know, Berserk being in the top 10 here is not much of a surprise, but it's also a little bit of a surprise in the sense that Berserk only releases one volume a year. So (laughs) that just goes to show how insanely popular it is, how successful 
a series it is that a series with only one volume released a year now imagine what sales would be like if berserk had a good anime i mean a good anime it'd be number one i I am sure of that but at number seven we've got the legend of zelda manga series continuing to be ever so popular at number six we've got one piece one piece is still doing really well in the north american market as is at number five attack on titan and then at number four, we've got Naruto slash Boruto. At three, we've got Dragon Ball slash Dragon Ball Z. But outselling all of your Shonen Jump favorites at number two is My Hero Academia. It is the most popular selling Shonen Jump title for the North American market in spring 2018. I feel like it should be more surprised, but honestly, considering the last, like, the last list that we talked about i'm not that surprised me neither we've consistently seen my hero academic perform extremely well in book scan lists so no surprise that it's so high up here at number two and it's also no surprise that at number one we have tokyo ghoul slash tokyo ghoul re of course the perennially popular ghoul manga that we have been talking about since the beginning of the show, back when it was topping the NYT times list, and now the book scan list, it is number one. Once again, the top manga franchise of spring 2018. Not a, not a super surprising list, aside from, again, Junji Ito and uh, the appearance of Berserk. Everything else I think I could have seen coming. It's pretty straightforward. Wiz Media, of course, dominates the market with most of this list being comprised of their titles. But Kodansha has two entries here with Attack on Titan and Fairy Tale. Dark Horse, of course, has Berserk. And Vertical sort of shares the Junji Ito spot since they have some Junji Ito books. And now we can move on to serialization news. All right. And uh, starting off in the past September issue of uh, Shonen Ace... Uh, it was revealed that the manga adaptation of Little Witch Academia will be coming to an end in the next issue on August 26th. Like I said, this is the uh, adaptation of the uh, the Little Witch Academia uh, TV anime that came out, I think, uh, about a month after uh, this manga premiered. I don't know how, like, I'm assuming the manga is probably pretty faithful to the TV show. Um, I don't know. I honestly didn't even know there was a manga for Little Witch Academia. Really? Um, yeah. Um, I, I think I recently like saw listings online or something for uh, for its English release from like Yen Press. Yeah, I think the English release of the series is only just recently coming out. I picked up a pretty sweet uh, Little Witch Academia manga poster at AX when I went. That's uh, really colorful and really nice. That's, mm, I'm that's jealous. Pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I had like some criticisms here and there about the uh, about the TV show. Um, I can't remember any of them though. It's like it's been a while since I've watched uh, since I watched the TV show. I think that was literally a year ago at this point. Um, but I, I still I still enjoyed the show, and I still uh, immensely enjoy like you know the specials and the OVAs that like came out before it. So. You know, if I had a chance to pick up the manga, I I honestly wouldn't mind checking it out. Yeah, I loved what I had seen of the Little Witch Academia anime, and so I would be interested in checking out the manga. Though, first, I think I will just finish the anime, since I only watched half of it. But, 
Now let's move on to our second piece of licensing news, and that is Akiko Higashimura is launching another new manga this October. And her new series will be about uh, three women from different generations, and it will focus on the team of money and romance for modern women. So it might be like Tokyo Tarareba Girls, but instead of all the main characters being in their 30s, they'll be like different ages. I, I like that idea. It sounds like it could be uh, a really interesting multi-generational kind of story. Um, I really like that idea. Mm-hmm. In general, all of her works are so good, so I'm looking forward to this. And now that Kadanja's finished releasing Tokyo Tower Repigos and Mrs. Delfish, you know, they gotta get on releasing some more of Higashimura's manga. There's plenty out there. Don't hold out on us, Kadansha. Just just give it to us. You know it'll do well. But yeah, well, I mean hopefully maybe one day we can also get one of her series simul published. Maybe this could be that series, but who knows? Uh, I'm just hoping that I will get to read this uh, sometime soon. Uh, not a lot of serialization news this time around, but uh, we do have some licensing news to talk about. And uh, the first thing we are going to be mentioning is uh, some uh, some Viz stuff, which, uh, you know, Viz, obviously, they had uh, Kohei Horikoshi at uh, San Diego uh, Comic-Con this year, which uh, I hear was a lot of fun. And I am immensely jealous at all the people that got their autographs from him and uh, got to meet him and talk to him. It sounded like quite the experience, honestly. Yeah, especially since they apparently had to close down the whiz boot because everyone crowded around it and the fire marshal threatened to shut down the con because of it. Oof, man. Yeah, they really got to give um they really got to give these manga artists like bigger rooms at these convention centers cuz clearly they deserve them. I mean, that was also just probably a pro- uh an issue on Wiz's end is that they had this ticketing system where you got the tickets at the boot and it's just chaos. They didn't really have it organized very well from what I heard. Mm. Saw a lot of people complaining about that. Mm, interesting. Yeah, that that sounds kind of dangerous. Um, I'm sure they'll probably take that into account for next time, though. But, uh, yeah, I'm extremely jealous of everybody who got to meet Horikoshi. Um, that, that's just, I'm, I'm happy for anybody who got to meet him. But, uh, basically at their, uh, My Hero Academia panel, um, so they announced that they are going to be bringing over, uh, the My Hero Academia School Briefs novel series. And uh, the first novel of that will be debuting uh, next spring, 2019. And uh, from the synopsis, it sounds like um, it sounds like it basically covers like everybody's like actual school life, um, you know, and like because I mean, we, we get some of that in the manga, but I think this is more like actual slice of life stuff where they're actually just going to school and just living their normal lives and not necessarily doing just hero stuff um at least mm-hmm. at least that's what it sounds like to me um yeah so i wouldn't mind uh maybe checking this out or something it, it sounds like it could be cute yeah i think caleb is also translating this so maybe we could talk to him sometime when it comes out next year mm-hmm, yeah um so yeah if you're a fan of my hero academia uh, definitely go check this out but um uh, moving on to some more this stuff Viz recently announced uh, some new titles for their Sublime line. Uh, let's see. We have uh, Love and Limbo from Haji, as well as uh, Candy Color Paradox from Isaku Natsume. Uh, Love and Limbo in particular will be coming out on May 14, 2019. 
and is about a character named uh, Kaelin who wakes up in limbo with no memories except having been a soldier in uh, his previous life. Uh, Kaelin begins spending time with uh, Makoto, uh, the manager in this world of the dead, who also acts as the uh, Shinigami uh, in order to atone for his sins. The two of them, you know, they start to grow closer, but apparently Makoto is also a clay doll who will at some point just fade away from existence. So sounds like a really interesting, potentially very tragic sort of love story. Um, I could get behind it. And then uh, Candy Color Paradox in particular will be coming out on March 15th, 2019. Uh, this manga in particular follows a reporter named uh, Onoe who teams up with a photographer named Kabuki on an assignment. Uh, Kabuki will stop at nothing to get a scoop, but Onoe has a strong sense of justice, so their worldviews obviously collide. But as they chase the story, their feelings for each other grow. So it sounds like a really, uh, really interesting... I was going to say buddy cop, but I guess it's like buddy reporter in this case. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a real like odd couple kind of story. Um, I could see this being a fun read. Cool to see Wiz published some more boys love titles. But if you're in the mood for some girls love, then you can check out a new series that GL Bunko is uh, releasing in English through Amazon Kindle Unlimited already. And it's got a translation from uh, Momoko Saito. And so you can pick up either the original Japanese text or the English version. And it's basically a story about girls falling in love in this academy where all the girls either are aiming to become like a lady, like a high class lady, and then there are girls in the academy who are, you know, training to become a maid to serve the ladies. And so they're all studying together. So there's a, there, it's this uh, big class-based love story. So, yeah, you can check that out. And it's this is a series that's been going on since 2014. But now you can read it in English for, for the first time. And uh, now we got to talk about Tokyo Pop and what they announced at Comic Con, and that's that they are going to release a special edition of the Aria manga. They're going to be releasing Aria in two-in-one omnibuses with color pages and gold foil cover embellishments. And uh, the first volume, which is actually just going to be, you know, Aqua, the two-volume prequel manga, is going to come out in February 2019. And so they've already got some tentative volume covers that you can browse through. So Tokyo Pop had the license to the series before, and they released six volumes before, as well as they've also released Aqua before. Yeah, so Tokyo Pop, I guess, has retained the license, and now they're going to be releasing it in, like, this really prestigious release kind of thing. And so, yeah, I mean, it could turn out to be pretty nice. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's it's really hard to trust Tokyo Pop, but, you know, Arya has a great reputation as a series, and so I'm sure a lot of people will be looking forward to pick up, like, some nice-looking omnibuses of it. So hopefully this release turns out well, and, uh, yeah, maybe if this release does well, Tokyo Pop can maybe prove to us that they are are doing better these days than, than they used to. But uh, we'll see about that. Well, I'm going to remain skeptical until uh, proven otherwise. Yeah, I we really need to sit down and like, like actually check out one of their like actual uh, current releases and see how well like their quality is like improved since the uh, since the good old days. 
It's, I mean, I, we'd also have to be more, a little more experienced in like what their quality in the uh, old days was like, I guess, to, to compare. I mean, because different books, even they were publishing back then, had different levels of quality. Like some books, they completely dropped the ball with, but then other books, you know, were fairly decent for what they were. Like their Fruits Basket release was, you know, fine for the most part, but then again, as far as uh, on the translation side, there's been this great thread uh, by Jacob Chapman on Twitter where he's been going through uh, the Tokyo Pop release of Fruits Basket and the Yen Press release of Fruits Basket and comparing the translations. And Yen's translations are a lot closer to what the original are, but it's interestingly enough still quite di- different from what the you know original Japanese uh necessarily was trying to get across so it's interesting to compare translations like that but uh yeah i, I mean to do for i definitely tokyo pop is a subject we need to talk about more on the show at a later date and i wouldn't uh be opposed to checking out some of their current releases to see how well they're doing with those either i mm. mean yeah i was gonna say like unfortunately i've only ever read um i keep forgetting like because I've read Rave Master, like they used to have the license for that. So like I've technically read all of their Rave Master and then um you know, obviously I read all of GTO for the show last year, so I remember seeing a lot of uh, very shoddy work, uh, especially on the uh lettering and typesetting front for GTO that uh I was just kinda like, Oh wow, they they really they really published this, huh? <laughs> Um, so those are really my only frames of reference, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm just kind of interested in seeing, cause I mean, it's like you said, I'm sure like, obviously, uh, different books had different qualities to them, had a different level of quality to them, but I'd still be interested in seeing if like, you know, if I can like pick up a volume of like something from them nowadays and see that like, you know, there there isn't stuff like, oh, hey, well, there's clearly Japanese text here, but like they don't bother like redrawing any of the space around it or anything like stuff like that. If, yeah, yeah, just 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 like editing in general, I'd really like to see if they've improved upon that, hopefully. Um, but uh, yeah, Tokyo Pop is something we need to discuss in the show, uh, uh, along with uh, <laughs> along with their Disney manga. <laughs> Do we have to? <laughs> one day i don't know just for like shits and giggles we could we could review okay. their like we could review their like i don't know their fucking finding dory manga or something i don't know can we just review a kingdom hearts manga instead um yeah i guess we could do that <laughs> come to think of it i think they also released those as well it'll it would be funny to for me to do that especially since i haven't played kingdom hearts since i was like Oh god, it had to have been like 2008, so like 13 maybe. Like 13, 14. Yeah, I haven't played those games in a long time. Um but anyway, we're getting we're getting off track. So, yeah, Tokyo Pop is still releasing stuff and that's that's always interesting to talk about. But uh let's move on to some Kodansha stuff as we talk about every month now. Uh Kodansha has been uh putting out some new digital licenses every month. And uh, so Kodansha has put out uh, three new digital titles, or will be putting out three new digital titles, along with five new digital Yaoi titles as well. As far as the first three titles go, uh, we first have My Boy in Blue from Maki Miyoshi. 
uh, which by the time this episode of the podcast is out, you will already be able to buy uh, this August 7th. And uh, is basically about this girl uh, named Kako who basically gets into this weird, wacky situation where uh, she attends a company mixer. And uh, in order to attend this mixer, she lies about her age. And, uh, you know, this mixer obviously is a party for for singles. And uh, she ends up totally infatuated with a young local police officer. And it looks like, you know, uh, this police officer... You know, the, the the feelings are mutual, except, uh, you know, he finds out that Kako is still in high school. Uh, so, sounds like a weird, uh, kind of awkward, romantic comedy kind of thing. Um, I'm hoping it's something like, uh, what's it called? After the Rain? I think that's what that's called, where it's like, oh, you know, this, this girl kind of likes this older guy, but like, you know... It's a it's a relationship that's not presented in like a creepy way, at least from what I've heard about After the Rain, uh, in particular. Um, I don't know; those are just my assumptions, but uh, I'm just hoping it's not super weird. I'm hoping it's just a cute little series. The cover looks really cute. Honestly, I do think though that it's going to be leaning towards that the a direction where they do end up getting together. But like, hopefully, it's just like he they just buy time until she turns eighteen or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This this policeman guy looks young, so maybe like he's only like eighteen himself or something. Who knows? Or, or at least like like eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old. Like I'd be yeah. fine with that personally. Maybe the ridiculous part about this is that he's eighteen and she's seventeen. And that's <laughs> and that's the thing. Mm, maybe uh, we'll have to see what uh, people say about this series. But uh, next up, we have Backstreet Girls by Jasmine G- Gia. Gia, I have no idea how to pronounce that last name, and I'm so yeah. sorry. Gia, yes, uh, that sounds about right. Um, so, uh, Backstreet Girls, I'm sure you know anybody listening to, or most of the people listening to this podcast have probably heard of the series through uh, the anime that's out this season. Though I don't think it's simulcasting anywhere because I think it's. Um, I'm pretty sure um, this is a Netflix show, or at the very least, I think I saw the uh, like the ending floating around and i think there was uh netflix was presented in the credits so i'd have to double check on that but i'm pretty sure it's a netflix show so it hasn't like ended up on it hasn't ended up on like crunchyroll or amazon or anything at least not as far as i know but um and, and basically the the premise of backstreet girls is that uh it's about these these three yakuza type guys who basically uh they fail in some assignment and uh as sort of a repayment they undergo this major surgery in order to become this trio of cute female idols. And so basically it's, it's, it's kind of like, um, I guess in a sense, it's kind of like Yankees in the sense where it's like on the outside, they look like this, but on the inside, they're actually this. Cause you know, it's basically, Hey, th- these three Yakuza guys are all disguised as, uh, this idol group. Well, they got sex change surgery to actually look like an idol group. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of, like, discourse about the series, and, I mean, unfortunately, I I don't really have an opinion on the series since I haven't, like, read it or seen it, but, uh, yeah, um, I know there are some people who are not very 
happy with the premise for this and are very turned off by it, which I think is somewhat understandable. It's weird. I've heard a, a lot of people like react to this premise, say, what the hell is this? But like, I haven't heard anyone really talk about the series itself, or at least I've barely seen it. I completely forgot the anime for this already came out like last month because I've seen no one talk about it. Uh, so, you know, I guess it's not no one's hate watching it at least in the circles that i'm in on twitter so uh, i don't know i read the first chapter of it a long time ago when i first heard of this series i was like what the heck is this and then i read the first chapter and uh it wasn't really the premise that turned me off so much as that i didn't care for the art so much and didn't find it that funny uh, it might work better with voice acting and animated so i i you know if wherever the anime is if i do check it out i'll see how that is but uh yeah i don't know i don't think i feel like the series is just like this absurd like transgressive comedy i i don't know how offensive it is intentionally or unintentionally yeah me neither i also don't know if it's good at being funny I agree with you that I think I would probably like this better animated because I I think this is something that would really benefit from actual voice acting because it's like, how how can you like watch a show with these idol girls like talking like Yakuza and not find it funny? Like, (laughs) like I I could see that I could see that being pretty funny to listen to. Um, But I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen or read the series myself. I'd like to check it out so I could at least have an opinion. But like, you know, it was just kind of weird because, like, I I have friends who, like, you know, were really kind of raving about this manga. Like, oh, man, this looks like uh, this looks like it could be funny. And, you know, I knew people who liked it. So it was really surprising for me in particular, you know, when the anime came out and seeing, like, so many people on my timeline uh, really reacting very negatively to the premise. So it was just kind of, for me, it was sort of a, a whiplash almost. But I guess that's just me personally. I guess just moving on from that, uh, so we have a bit of a, I guess, a license rescue, because Kodansha has picked up the license for Peach Girl from Miwa Ueda, which I guess apparently originally was a Tokyo Pop title that I I guess they released in, like, separate series. Uh, They released one half of the series as Peach Girl, and they released the other half as Peach Girl Change of Heart, which I guess Kodansha is basically going to be uh, releasing both of those um so they're releasing the whole series and from what i could like read at the premise it, it seems really interesting it's a it's a shoujo manga from from the 90s and it's basically about uh basically how the main character kind of like you know deals with uh how she's like judged in high school for her like appearances and stuff because of her I think her, like, tan skin or and bleached hair, like, you know, her peers just kind of assume, like, oh, she has a lot of sex and stuff, or, and she's a slut or whatever. Just assume these really, like, wild things about her, which, um, I guess from what I hear is, uh, I guess is a really, like, uh, I, I hear people like this series, so I wouldn't mind uh, checking it out at some point. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things, and I'm definitely interested in it. I'm all for Kodansha rescuing uh, Tokyo Pop series now now if only they could rescue the original gto that would be nice <laughs> yeah though i wonder if this is going to be retranslated at all like if kadansha's going to provide new translations or if this is just going to be the old tokyo pop translation um i guess we'll just have to see and then i guess we'll move on to some of the yaoi titles they picked up 
And so, um, oh, you know, actually, I totally didn't even mention when some of these were coming out. So uh, just a back chart real quick. Uh, Backstreet Girls will be coming out on August 14th, and then uh, Peach Girl will be releasing on uh, August 28th. Sorry about that. But uh, now we can move on to some Yaoi titles. Uh, first, we have Straight Bullet Baby from Kei Ichikawa that will be uh, releasing on August 21st, as well as everything else I'm going to be talking about here. Uh, all five of these titles will be coming out on August 21st. And so apparently uh, Straight Bullet Baby is about a character named uh, Chihiro Murakami, who works at a film advertising firm and looks up to Kiyoharu Hona, the stylish editor of the trendy magazine that his company does business with. He's cool, his smile is beautiful, and he's good at his job, but Chihiro hasn't had a chance to get very close to him yet. However, one day he ends up looking after a dead drunk Hona and goes home with him and... Exclamation point question mark? Sounds interesting, I guess. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I, I don't really know what to make of it. Um, and then let's see. We have uh, Keeping His Whims in Check by Pi. And let's see. So proclaimed handsome elite businessman Yuto Shinonome falls in love at first sight with Tamaki, a beauty who's exactly his type. It hits him like a ton of bricks when he finds out that Tamaki is actually a guy. Nevertheless, Yuto still acts like a kid with a crush and teases Tamaki like there's no tomorrow. So, I guess that could be kind of cute. I don't know. <laughs> Next up, we have Intertwining Lives by Kazu, uh, which is about a character named Yoshia, uh, who thinks that it's fate when he's reunited with his first love. However, he learns they can never be together. Uh, for middle-aged scriptwriter Makoto and beautiful actor in the making, you, it's a chance meeting in which admiration turns to love and love turns to doubt. A young and heart-trending adolescent love story and a bittersweet mature romance. The stories of a group of men who mingle, intertwine, and change. Well, that sounds like that could be interesting, I guess. And then next up we have Key Ring Lock by Yims. Uh, YMZ. It's an interesting uh, pseudonym, I guess. Uh, permanent part-timer Yui discovers a worn-out man fallen on the street. Unable to leave the strangely charming Toshiki alone... Uh, Yui helps him back home and then accepts Toshiki while being manipulated by him. However, when Yui gets up in the morning, he finds himself locked in and unable to leave. Confinement is my hobby, says a smiling Toshiki. Uh, is this confinement or is it ellipses? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, that really shouldn't be funny. Um, their sensitive love flickers in in space between the normal and abnormal. So that sounds really, uh, sounds kind of uncomfortable, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Not sure if I'm very into that. Doesn't sound like a healthy relationship. <laughs> I'm also not sure if I'm super into this next series. Uh, Trap in a Skirt by <sighs> Pudu Chome. Uh, androgynous Aoi has a traumatic past that makes it difficult for him to get the true satisfaction he desires. Meanwhile, Aoi's classmate Takano, the rough class outsider, makes a move on Aoi whenever he has the chance. Aoi doesn't take him seriously in the beginning, however, and it just kind of trails off. So I don't have any fate that, uh, that that'll be a very enjoyable series to read, honestly. Trap is a really problematic word. I don't really like seeing it. And the title of the of the series, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable, especially because it gives like a really big mischaracterization of trans people. Uh, so it's not, it's, it's a very loaded term that you really shouldn't use. 
uh, unless you are a trans person who enjoys self-identifying as that. In that case, it's your choice. Yeah, it's uh, the t- using that word uh, in the title alone turned me turned me off into the series, and then the description. You know, it it implies that there is also going to be like some sexual violence or like some some element of force in the, in this relationship, like coercion. It's the same thing with this key ring lock. I don't. They're not very good dynamics. I don't. These don't seem like a series that will have very healthy relationships presented. So of the of these five uh, Yaoi titles, I guess the one that sticks in my mind is Stray Bullet Baby. Uh, mostly because on the latest uh, one panel later, which is this great podcast hosted by two librarians, uh, Kelly on that podcast really uh, was recommending, say she, she really liked Kei Ichikawa's work. So uh, based on her recommendation, I am interested in checking uh, that one out. Yeah, I mean, I, I Stray Bullet Baby sounds like it could, it could be kind of cute, you know? Like, so far, as far as like the premise goes, it, it doesn't sound like uncomfortable or skeevy at all and i appreciate mm-hmm. that uh maybe uh i guess that's the one i guess like out of the five i would if i had to choose i would probably read personally and yeah i totally agree uh key ring lock and trap in a skirt like just don't they they both sound like they'd be very uncomfortable to read honestly and i just i just wouldn't be into them i don't think Mm-mm, not at all um but you know aside from those two you know um, still some interesting, uh, some more interesting licenses from Kodansha. I guess all I can say is I'm looking forward to what they license next month. There's always something to look forward to from Kodansha every month. And there's even more to look forward to in regarding them because they have revealed more details about their Ghost in the Shell Global Neural Network anthology that they announced last year. They revealed what the authors and the stories in the anthology are going to be. And so there are four stories and with them two authors slash writers on each one. So in the first story, we've got Automatic Behavior by Max Gladstone and David Lopez. Uh, Max Gladstone is the author of the Hugo-nominated crap sequence novels, and David Lopez is the artist of All New Wolverine. This first story will be about Kusanagi and Aramaki visiting Shanghai undercover, uh, and then Aramaki gets abducted, and Kusanagi recognizes that the kidnappers are from a, an elite American squadron she faced years ago, but they should be dead, so there's a mystery there. And then the second story is called Red Bloods, and that's by Alex DeCampi and Giannis Milo Giannis. Alex DeCampi is the writer of Twisted Romance and Grindhouse, and Giannis is the artist of Image Comics' Prophet. And this story is about a raid on a pleasure cruise off of Yokohama, uh, which it reveals that it is actually a front for a gang of smugglers, uh, basically human trafficking children and cyber bodies and Tokusa and Saito, you know, track them down to what was once Louisiana and find themselves alone in a gun. And like during what they're doing, Aramaki and Kusanaki are debating, uh, over like philosophical differences in regardings to like the life or some circumstances involving a girl who might be, uh, one of the victims of this trafficking gang. In the third story, After the Ball is Over, that's written by uh, Genevieve Valentine and Brent Schoenavor. 
Uh, Genevieve Valentine is on uh, Catwoman's current run, and Brent Shonover is on Ant-Man's current run. And this story is set in the aftermath of the war that divided the U.S. into three entities. And then a woman who has lived without augmentations makes a living uh, struggling information analog way. But then she has an encounter with a man she never thought she'd see again, which causes her to stick her neck out one last time and brave checkpoints and suspicion that now pock what was once the land of the free. And the fourth story, Star Gardens, is by Brendan Fletcher and L.R.N.Z. Brendan Fletcher is a uh, writer-artist on uh, Batgirl Mortal Crush and L.R.N.Z. is on Golem. Uh, this story is about, uh, it's more of an exploration of the nature of identity imagination, punctuated by stylized fights and homages to every past carnation of uh, Section 9. So it's a mind-blowing kinetic descent into the mind of Motoko Kusanagi. So this is, you know, sounds like another cool set of stories. I'm looking forward to this anthology. I quite enjoyed uh, Kadansha's Attack on Titan anthology. And I'm an even bigger fan of Ghost in the Shell, so I'm looking forward to seeing how these stories turn out. And since Masamune Shiro himself, like, supervised stories and, like, closely collaborated with Kadansha and the comics authors on these, uh, I think this is going to turn out really cool. And this is going to be coming out this fall, so... Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I hope Kodansha looks into doing more like of these anthology series with uh with more classic uh manga titles. I can't I, I can't really think of ooh, maybe a um you think they could ever do like an Akira anthology? Oh, no doubt. That'd be I would not be surprised if that's the next one they do. Like Akira, that would be an easy one to drive up interest and like uh, uh, find people who would want to participate in that. So, yeah, that'd be a great one for them to try. But speaking of uh, classic series, we're now going to have to talk about a license expiration, unfortunately. And that once again is coming from Nozomi Entertainment. They lost the license to Rose of Size earlier this summer, and now they are losing their license to Space Adventure Cobra. The DVDs are going out of print. Uh, the series will stream on their YouTube channel and Crunchyroll until August 31st, and then it'll be gone. So if you have not picked up those DVD sets yet, you better get on that. Or you better hurry up and watch it on streaming, because you only got till the end of this month to do that. Oh boy, yeah, that that's a shame, because I... I... Every once in a while, I keep thinking like, "Oh, people seem to like Space Adventure Cobra. I should probably watch that." And now I guess I, uh, I guess I better act on that here pretty soon. Yeah, you better. It's a great show. Uh, definitely, we'll make sure to pick up the DVDs before they sell out. And yeah, yeah, that 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 is a shame though. But moving on, let's talk once again about DMP, another company that has consistently disappointed me. Uh, and apparently they have not been on top of things for a while because uh, the state of California has confirmed with ANN that uh, DMP has been suspended as a company since uh, December 29th, 2017. They are still suspended as of the time of this recording. DMP has not made a statement about this. And the reason this happened is that businesses have to, fu- uh, you know, they, they have the status if they fail to turn in statements of information, which are required by California law every year for domestic stock companies like digital manga. And so 
And the company's most recent statement of information was way back in April 8, 2015. And only one other statement of information from 2011 is on file. So I don't know how they neglected to do this for every year when it's like required by law. I'm, I'm even more surprised that they got away with it for this long since it seems like they only have done this twice in their entire existence as a company. But regardless, yeah, I mean, the suspension entails that the business's powers, rights, and privileges as a business, including the right to use the entity's name in California, are suspended. And if they, this can all be easily resolved if they just fill out the required statement of information. This does not have to be a big deal. Hopefully they're getting on this and they're, they're fixing this problem. But it's just one more example of irresponsibility that makes me shake my head at DMP and wonder why. Why did I trust them? Will I ever get my books? I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, what a shit show. Yeah. My heart goes out to you, Sid, and the rest of Pete, the rest of the, everybody who still hasn't gotten their books. Yeah. Let's talk about something else. Mm, yeah, well, let's talk about some, 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 some good news, I would say. So, we, we've talked on the show before about certain publishers starting their own campaigns to basically fight back against piracy, such as with uh, Shugaku Khan. I forget if we talked about it on the show or not, but uh, they, they've been kind of doing their own campaigns. And, you know, we've constantly talked about uh, the legal battles that are going on with all these uh, different, like, uh, free online sites in Japan being shut down and whatnot. Uh, those were a whole other thing. But uh, so it looks like multiple publishers, including Katakawa Shoten, Kodansha, Shigaku Khan, and Shueisha, have basically all banded together to form their own anti-piracy campaign called Stop Piracy Edition, which is, like I said, a campaign between these four publishers uh, to basically d distribute I information about basically the damage that piracy causes to manga sales and the industry. And they opened up their own website with a whole bunch of factoids about the damage that uh, piracy causes, which... Um, I don't think we'll necessarily go over a lot of them, but uh, I do just want to uh, point out some things here. Like, uh, I guess the website uh, talks about how uh, talks about certain websites in Japan and like how many visitors they've received and like what that would equate to in like uh, in like financial gain, such as uh, free books, which I guess received a total of seventeen point five million monthly visitors before that was shut down. As well as a previously mentioned uh, manga site, Mangamura, uh, that had been receiving uh, as many as 160 million people visiting per month. And as a result, uh, these websites had the potential to earn hundreds and hundreds of millions of yen a month in just uh, ad revenue. And then they also talk about the damage that free like download sites use and whatnot, basically sites that don't really like... They don't necessarily make money off of like ad revenue. They just, they just. Uh, I'm I'm going to assume scan manga, put it up, and put up collections, and so people can like download them as files to read and stuff. And apparently, people who like upload manga chapters to YouTube and like uh, change the reading format into like into like a watchable video, and they earn ad revenue through that, which is a really interesting way to 
uh, to upload pirated manga. I will say, I don't think I would read my manga that way personally, but uh, yeah, that's just, th- that one kind of stood out to me, stood out to me the most personally. I've seen those floating around YouTube time to time. But yeah, and you know, you have uh, you have multiple different like official like uh, Twitters for different f- series and franchises tweeting this out. I think the Bungo Stray Dogs Twitter retweeted this out, and as well as the uh, the official like uh, Sailor Moon manga and anime franchise Twitter and whatnot. Basically, people just spreading the word and spreading the information you know posted on the website about what harm like you know these uh, of what piracy can do to manga and the industry and um you know honestly i think this is um i think this is a good move personally i think it's better than you know shueisha just distributing an open letter in their magazine telling people to stop like i think this is a good way to actually spread information out there and, like, actually, you know, tell people and give them facts about, like, what kind of damage that piracy has the ability to do. And uh, all in all, I think this is a very valiant effort. And I, I think it's a good thing that all these big publishing companies can actually get together and try and do some kind of damage control. Yeah, it's awesome to see these publishers come together for a joint campaign like this. Like, a joint effort, you know. It just uh, having this one solid movement, I think it's going to do a lot of good. Uh, I think it is kind of weird to use Luffy as one of the characters you're having in this image. You know, <laughs> I'm not the first to point this out. But again, a pirate uh, telling people to stop piracy is seems like a conflict of interest. It doesn't seem like something Luffy would say or actually believe in. So probably should have chosen uh, Deku for that. It would have been it would have made a lot more sense to have uh, our, a hero from MHA. See that that's that's the most that's the most interesting like uh, part of Luffy's character is how he believes that you should buy your manga and not pirate it ever. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I str- I strongly uh, disbelieve that. I, I strongly <laughs> doubt that. Luffy cares, but I mean, come on, Sid. That's the most iconic thing about his character. Uh, sure. <laughs> Luffy, Luffy is all is so responsible about paying people back. Uh, so he's so responsible in general. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, definitely some really interesting information. Um, hopefully, maybe they can look into like, like actually, like maybe translating the website or something, and um, maybe spread this to like Western readers too. Because, I mean, I'm I'm sure that, I mean, obviously, you know, like, piracy is a problem in Japan, too. But, I mean, like, I've always felt like manga piracy is an especially huge problem over here, too. Yeah. Especially when, like, it, it really, like, breaks my heart when, like, I see people inside the industry talk about how, like, at, like, their official panels and stuff, they'll bring up, like, oh, hey, did you know that you could subscribe to this or buy your manga like this and, like nobody has ever heard of like nobody's ever heard of that option at all and it's it's really disheartening when i hear stories like that yeah but uh it's 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 nice to know that information is actually being spread out there that like you know that they're actually doing their research and they're and they're actually letting people know about uh the cause and effect of piracy mm-hmm and hopefully maybe we could see a joint effort uh done by publishers over here in the states too you know that'd be cool to see as well yeah that would be nice but um 
I guess that, that about does it for industry news, and we'll just move on to some uh, some miscellaneous anime stuff and whatnot. And I guess the first thing uh, we'll bring up is uh, so. Oh, man, um, so you're going to have to stop me because I'm probably going to end up ranting for like 10 minutes about this because this just makes me angry. <laughs> so, you know, as I'm sure most people may know or may not know, I wouldn't blame you if you did or didn't know. But uh, Captain Tsubasa obviously has a new anime out from David Production is, you know, airing as we speak. And I believe is uh, I believe is going to be going into its new core. I think it's already in its new core at this point. But, um, so Viz has the license for the Captain Tsubasa anime, but has not made any attempt to stream it whatsoever, and I'm, I think, if I remember correctly, I think it's because of rumblings of, like, I think it has something to do with the artist for, like, the opening theme or something. I think there's some licensing issues with that kind of stuff, um, or something. I'm not entirely sure, that's just what I've heard, but... Nonetheless, I'm very disappointed because I was really looking forward to possibly streaming Captain Tsubasa somewhere and actually watching that. But uh, at the time of this recording, there's no legal way to watch Captain Tsubasa unless unless you happen to have access to Primo TV, which unless you have Comcast Infinity, uh, you do you, you probably don't. But, I mean, I guess they're doing something with it, because I guess Primo TV at the moment, uh, I, well, I guess by the time this episode's out, will have already started airing a English dub for the new 2018 Captain Tsubasa anime. And I mean, like, I haven't even really bothered checking it out, because, like, I, I looked it up, and, like, from the little research I did about Primo TV, like, I don't think it's, like, it's only available through Comcast. Like, I don't think you could buy it through, like... I don't like charter direct yeah, TV. You need, you need Comcast Xfinity. Yeah. So unfortunately it's like just exclusive to that. Um, and even then, like if you look on their website uh, and, you, and you look at like, you know, where it airs, like it's, it's not very available all throughout the U S let's just say. No, it's, it's like a handful of States that you could actually watch this TV channel, which I think is honestly, I think is bullshit. And I'm not very happy about it because yeah. like because here's the thing, right? Like I, I know Captain Tsubasa does better, obviously does better in like the with the Latin American demographic and does better with that demographic than it would probably ever over here in the U.S., but like you know, if like like if it, I think if Viz actually like cared about Captain Tsubasa, if they at least like put it up on their website or put it up on Hulu or something, and actually simulcasted it, I think there could have been a real chance for Captain Tsubasa to gain like an actual. I mean, I'm sure it has its fans over here because I'm sure people probably read the manga online or something. But like, you know, you could have really cultivated a real fan base for Tsubasa. It wouldn't. It wouldn't probably wouldn't have been anywhere near like JoJo levels of fandom. But like, <laughs> like you you could have cultivated some kind of fan base for the show. Like we could have actually maybe we could have actually grown an audience for Captain Tsubasa over here. But Viz is just sitting on their hands and making it as as not available as possible and it honestly kind of pisses me off well i'm sure they're gonna put it out on streaming eventually it's worth noting that this dub isn't theirs 
Like, they don't have broadcast rights to like, the Captain Tsubasa anime. So, like, this is something that Primo TV has, like, gotten on their own from, I don't know, I guess directly from whatever connections they have to uh, David Productions or whoever is in charge of international distribution uh, to certain markets. I don't know. But, like, this isn't a whiz dubbed thing. So it's like they weren't involved in this decision to have it air on Primo TV before it gets streaming. I mean, I guess that's fair, but still. It's a shame, though, because, like, I wish uh, this dub was available on streaming because I listening to the trailer, like, it sounds pretty decent. Uh, I would, you know, I, I would prefer if it was just simulcast in general but like we could even just get this dub streaming somewhere you know available that would be fine like i just want to watch the show (laughs) but i don't want to get comcast xfinity (laughs) just to watch the show yeah it's just not worth it (sighs) whatever i'm i'm hoping viz will eventually put it up somewhere but until then i'm very salty about all this (laughs) Well, while we're waiting for that, uh, we can look forward to a sports anime that we will hopefully actually get to watch. <laughs> and that is uh, Mr. Red Octi's Mix manga is getting an anime that'll come out in spring 2019. And this is pretty exciting, not only because it's been like 10 years since the last anime based on one of Mitsuru Adachi's series, because I think Cross Game came out in 2009, but also Mix is a sequel to Touch, Adachi's most famous manga, the most popular sports manga, baseball manga of all time, basically. Uh, very culturally influential over in Japan. So Mix is a sequel to Touch. It's set 30 years after the event that's of Touch, and, and like Touch, it focuses on two brothers who are aiming to compete against each other in the Koshian Baseball Tournament. I read about 30 or so chapters of it uh, a couple of years ago. Quite enjoyed it. Uh, have stopped reading it just because I don't read scan manga much anymore. But, you know, that's why I'm really looking forward to watching the anime uh, and Getting to see, like, more uh, Mitsuridachi stories animated and, like, uh, available to watch. So, yeah, cool. Watch this get an exclusive dub on Primo TV and nowhere else. Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm done with my jabs. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not the only new anime series to look forward to next year because we're also getting a new Ghost in the Shell anime. Huh. That will have two 12-episode seasons, directed by Kenji Kamiyama and Shinji Aramaki. Kenji Kamiyama was the director on Standalone Complex, and Aramaki was the director on the Appleseed film from uh, the mid-2000s. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, This is like this, this new project doesn't have a release date yet it was announced in a youtube interview with uh nuke the fridge gaming which is kind of to me it seems it was like a weird place that they made an announcement but i guess you know uh might as well but yeah just more ghost in the shell enemies on the way and i'm always up for that so uh yeah pretty excited for this alongside you know the uh anthology coming out from kandansha later this fall 
And now let's talk about some movies. And speaking of like some classic franchises, classic psychological thrillers, you know what's a film that everyone's wanted to have license rescued for the longest time? Perfect Blue by Satoshi Kon. The only Kon film that has not been available in any form for years. Finally, it seems G-Kids has come to our rescue because in collaboration with uh, Fandom Events, they're releasing Perfect Blue in U.S. theaters on September 6th and September 10th in both English dubbed and English sub screenings. And presumably they'll have a physical home video release soon after this theatrical screening. But this is a huge, huge deal. People have wanted this forever. And this is, works out great for me because Perfect Blue happens to be the only comb film I haven't gotten a chance to see yet. So I am very excited to have my first experience with it be on the big screen. So really looking forward to this. Mm, I've only ever seen Tokyo Godfathers and, and Paprika. I've, I've seen Paprika, so I, I still need to see some of his other stuff. Yeah, so hopefully you can have a chance to, to see this in theaters. That would be nice. Also coming in September to look forward to is uh, the next Crunchyroll movie night, which looks to be Haikyuu the movie Battle of Concepts, the compilation film of the third season of the Haikyuu anime, which is Karasuno vs. Shiratorizawa. And that's a great season, that's a great match, so I'm looking forward to seeing this film on the big screen, and that'll be on September 19th. So look forward to that, and keep an eye out on Crunchyroll's uh, Movie Night's website for when screenings will be in your area. And when tickets will be on sale. But later in the year, you'll have a chance to watch another Pokemon movie on the big screen. Because Pokemon I Choose You did so well last year that Pokemon Company is going to be releasing the newest Pokemon film in theaters too. That movie being Pokemon the movie, The Power of Us, the 21st Pokemon film. It's going to get a theatrical release through Fathom Events in the U.S. on November 24, 26, 28, and December 1st. English dubbed only, of course, as the case, because the Pokemon company doesn't want us to watch the Japanese version for some reason. But that is fine. I will enjoy seeing this movie on the big screen because I heard it was really, really good. One of the best Pokemon movies they've done yet, so... Uh, I'm really excited for it. And in other Pokemon movie news, Warner Brothers has recently taken over the distribution of Legendary Entertainment's live-action Detective Pikachu movie that is being written by uh, Alex Hirsch of Gravity Falls fame and Nicole Perlman, one of the scriptwriters of Guardians of the Galaxy, directed by Rob Letterman, who's directed Shark Tale, Monsters vs. Aliens, and Goosebumps. And uh, Ryan Reynolds will play Detective Pikachu. So that already sounds incredibly fun. What a strange world we live in. Yeah, so that film should be coming out next year on May 10, 2019. And so, yeah, I, I feel like we should get the trailer for that. Any time now? I, I feel like it, at the latest, it would probably be around November. I, I bet it'll be around November, probably coinciding with the re release of Pokemon The Power of Us. So, mm. yeah. I, I didn't know Alex Hirsch was a writer on this movie. I, that actually makes me really want to see it more. I, I like I, I really love Gravity Falls and I think Alex Hirsch's 
a really really funny guy so i'm i'm definitely looking forward to uh probably seeing this actually yeah the combination of alex hirch and ryan reynolds makes me really look forward to this i think it's gonna turn out quite well and with that we are done with the news well hey there we go and now it's time to get hot. I mean, the weather is certainly very hot, but I mean, we very sweaty. Oh, yeah. So much like the characters in the series, I think it would be super nice to spend a day indoors at an ice rink where it's all nice and cool. Skate up the ice, burn up the ice, have the shards of ice fly in your face and oh, melt on your face oh, in nice, cool water. Oh, that sounds so great right about now. Yeah, so nice and refreshing. And hot is kind of a refreshing one-shot because it is an ice hockey manga from Akira Amano. I think this is the first ice hockey manga one-shot we've had in a while. Like, I can't remember any ice hockey series in Jump ever. But it's a very rare and underrepresented sport in general. So that makes it quite unique. In of itself, I was I was gonna say, are we are we talking like just jump, or are we talking about ice hockey manga in general? Because I feel like I've seen, I feel like I've seen ice hockey manga of like one series, but I can't remember the name of it, and I'm not even sure it's entirely ice hockey. So, I mean, what you said is true. Like out of all the sports that could be turned into sports manga, ice hockey is not something you see tackled almost ever. Uh, which I'll definitely give this one shot that is is definitely a sport I would like to see explored more in manga. I, I was referring to Jump in general, that there hasn't been many ice hockey manga in its history, but also in manga in general, it's a very underrepresented sport. Jeff Ruberg, our good friend over on Twitter, he uh, works on the Shonen Jump app for Viz Media, he has been tweeting recently about his search for good ice hockey manga for him and his girlfriend to read and they have found very slim pickings all in japanese none translated and very few series in that pool that niche of ice hockey manga to choose from so he was very excited about this manga in particular Mm, that's 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 interesting yeah see as far as sports i would like actually watch because i'm not sure if you could tell i don't really watch a lot of sports but um Ice hockey is like one of the few sports like I've I've always actually wanted to go see like live, you know, cuz I I one of my best friends is like super into hockey and you know, sometimes, you know, when he when he comes home, he'll like he'll he'll grab the TV in the living room, you know, whenever there's a hockey game on or whatever. And you know, I actually that's actually like the one sport I'll actually, you know, sit down and watch with him because, you know, I'm not super invested in like any other sport. I was kind of interested in football for a while, thanks to Ice Shield 21, but that's mostly faded away at this point. So ice hockey to me, like I've, I've seen enough of the actual sport that I could say that I think it's actually legitimately like exciting and I can get, I, I personally get really into it. So I was kind of interested in hot when I saw jump advertising this, I was interested in, in checking this out, especially since, you know, I haven't really read like a lot of, I haven't really read a lot of Amano's works. Like, I've read maybe a volume of Reborn, but that was probably like 10 years ago at this point. Um, and, and I'm not really familiar with Reborn outside of the first volume at all. 
and I haven't really read any um, Eld Alive though. I am I am interested in checking that out, especially since Amano's color works, like as far as I've seen, are like really beautiful, and I think she does an excellent job at um, at color pages. To touch upon my experience with Amano Sensei's works, I have not read much of Reborn. All my knowledge of it is secondhand. I think the only chapter of it I've read is the last chapter, which I don't even remember why I read that. Uh, and I've read the first couple of chapters of Eld Live. And in contrast to you, Colton, I was actually very turned off by Amano's color work. Really? Because I thought the colors were too bright and garish and it made the series very difficult for me to read because it would actually detracted from the art hmm. uh, in my opinion like the colors in of itself when it's an illustration is fine but when i'm reading the comic i was just finding my eyes just completely wandering and it definitely did not help because it's a text heavy series that just combination was just not working for me that's interesting i i honestly didn't think about it like that um i think that's a good point i never really thought about her color pages as far as like the actual readability of her comic um i could see how that would be distracting Mm -hmm. but in terms of color pages and in terms of illustrations like even the color page for hot it's a really good illustration I think, you know, this is a nice image. It conveys a lot of action like that. Oh, okay. This kid has just slid down the ice. Some, you see some shards like going up. And, uh, I think the combination of the blues and the whites here are really nicely done. You got an almost watercolor effect on like the rink of the, uh, well, not the floor of the ice. And then the background is just this. Uh, white bluish kind of weird skyish haze but it all works like there's no distinction like the f- distinction for the floor is just made very subtly but it's not like separated necessarily from the background it's like one arrangement of these blue and white splotches but she's able to use very subtle like markings within those to indicate the line of the floor. So, you know, I think she can do some really good things with her colors in subtle ways that make for really nice illustrations. Uh, But to uh, get into the plot of this one shot. So hot is not just a funny, like, Oh, uh, this is, this is, I'm, I'm referring to an ice skating manga with an ice hockey manga with a uh, uh, adjective, a descriptor that is its opposite. What you wouldn't think. It's not just some funny uh, thing like that. Well, it sort of is because hot is also referring to the main character's name, which is own. And that own comes from like the same like meaning as the own in onsen, which is hot spring. So... Own means heat, as is uh, the translator's note here. But you could also read own as hot, as in like onsen, you could translate that to hot spring. So own, you could also translate to hot if you choose to. But yeah, so the main character's name is Own. And he was given this name by his grandfather because heat trumps ice and his family the Hamino family has been doomed for generations to not make nice with ice ice is their mortal enemy that has killed his ancestors in horrifically brutal and funny ways including impalement as is later revealed 
Like, it's ridiculous. A heart failure, because someone slept on the ice. Food poisoning, because someone ate bad, like, an ice shake, like, slushy thing. Uh, and then frostbite. So it's like all sorts of weird ways that his family members have died due to ice-related incidents over the years. So his grandfather got super superstitious and mad and put on through a really weird training regimen because his logic is so twisted. He wants the... He thinks the only way to overcome the family's curse uh, is to win in the most combative ice sport, ice hockey. Since uh, a young age, he has trained own to be... Uh, the best ice hockey player ever by uh, when he was a kid, he made own like he, he told Owen that his uh, brothers were a stick and a pup. So that, those were his first toys that he made him train uh, juggling eggs with the ice hockey stick, uh, lying to him, saying the eggs belong to a ferocious dragon who loves her babies implying that if he drops them the dragon will come and kill him uh and then later he makes him juggle an ice hockey puck on top of a bouncy ball like so he's put him through all these weird crazy training regimens from Bert and so Owen has become ridiculously good at ice hockey, but he could not give a single crap about his grandfather's superstition. It's just all a pain to him. It's just so annoying. So he's like, you know what? No, you kind of forced this on me. I don't want to do it. So no, I'm not going to play that. So like Owen's grandfather, he works at this shrine, right? And so does Owen. He also works at this shrine. So one day some ice hockey uh, players from the local school are like walking around the shrine. One of them, Takahashi, who's like the captain of the ice skate team, he's kind of frustrated that their local ice rink is being given to a neighboring ice hockey club because they're more prestigious and so their team can't practice. So he doesn't watch where he's going and he like bumps into a rock and stubs his toe. And then he gets mad, so he kicks the rock away and it goes into Owen's direction. But Hone, who is, like, sweeping with just a broom, he kind of, like, grabs the rock in the air and just, like, tosses it around and then, like, just throws it back into a wall. And it's like, oh, and that's an indication, oh, he's really good with a hockey stick. You know, if he if he's that good at broom, he could be good at hockey. So Takahashi's trying to go and recruit him, but Hone is like, Dude, you threw a rock at me. So he he's eating this cookie. So he drops the cookie and he like he he shoots the cookie into his into Takahashi's mat with a broom, which is hilarious. And he's like, "No, I'm I'm not gonna you know join your Asaki team because it pisses me off." And so so then he asked Takahashi to like repay him for the w breaking the window because you know because he threw the rock the window got broken and takashi doesn't do that like immediately like they they run away because his grandpa arrives on the scene and you know his grandpa is an uncontrollable maniac as uh his his own backstory reveals so you know they run away uh but later the club manager comes back to pay him for that and Owen's just pissed off because takashi didn't do it himself but then the next day, he observes, like, Takahashi being bullied by, like, a prestigious high school uh, ice hockey team who is, like, 
kind of renting out the re- rink and preventing Takahashi seeing for practicing. And that's when he gets an exclamation from the club manager that Takahashi like works super hard for the sake of his uh, club. He spends all his money for the club, like including renting out the ice rink and equipment. And the reason why he didn't deliver like the money to repay the breaking of the window himself was because he had to work that night. But the money was from him. And so Owen learns that Takahashi has a good character. And so he kind of feels bad for, you know, assuming the worst of him. So he's like, okay, you know, I'm going to help this guy challenge this other hockey team to give them the right to practice on this rink because it means a lot to him. And so they play a game and he's super good. Basically, he's the only one who's really good at the team and basically does all the work. And the other team thinks for a minute, oh, wait a minute, he's not moving around much. So he must suck at skating and that's his weakness. But then he's like, no, you know, you just insulted me. You said that I was only like half qualified to be on this ring. So I decided to only like use the upper half of my body because I'm petty and uh wise guy like that but you know if you if you really want me to take this seriously okay it's, it's your funeral and so then he reveals that he's actually really good skating too because of course his grandpa made him practice for that and yeah and then basically it, it becomes no contest but he doesn't uh score the winning point himself he has the puck bounce off the post to go in Takahashi's direction so that Takahashi would make the scoring shot to like have him, since he's the club leader, prove that, you know, he has the determination, dedication, and skill to like make his dream come true by himself and all that. And so, yeah, uh, they win. Takahashi seeing gets to use the ice rink, but Owen is still like, no, I'm not going to play ice hockey. I, I submitted my letter of resignation. I'm not doing that. But the chapter ends with like Takahashi like giving on a t-shirt called I love ice hockey and saying, you know, wear this and you'll be convinced to be passionate about the sport. And that's that's just where the one shot ends. So it's not like own changes in mind about not playing ice hockey or anything. So it's it's not like it feels like there isn't much of a resolution to the character arc there, but that's basically the plot. And uh, it's kind of like a standard plot in many respects, and it goes pretty quick in the sense that, oh, uh, there's this struggling team, and they need help from a really good player, and the good player helps them, and they uh, they defeat them. So that's kind of like a, one of those more basic uh, first chapter plots. Yeah, it's nothing that we haven't seen before. Yeah, uh, so to me, what makes this one-shot stand out is the character of Own himself, just because I like that he's this very impassionate, melancholic, and, like, he just does not care. He has so much envy and... Uh, lack of interest in the sport and in the people and everything around him he's just going around everything with like a begrudged expressions like ugh I have to do this I have to get involved but like he's a good person at heart because uh you know he he wants he he recognizes okay you know this guy isn't so bad isn't such a bad dude I'll help him out and then I'll have him I'll let him do give the winning shot you know, for, like, his morale and all that. So, 
And so we, that distinguishes him from a guy like Ryoma Echizen, who's just a total jerk and so self-centered, egotistical, he's unbearable. Like, this guy, he has a con, he, like, has a conscience, he has, like, empathy, and he actually cares about people, but he just does not want to be caught up in anyone else's rhythm or go along with, like, what they want him to do. Like, he wants to go at his own pace and do his own things and not be bothered by the world and the people around him. So I do kind of enjoy that personality. I do think it makes for a funny character, though in terms of like long-term sustainability, like the dynamic he has with him and Takashi, I don't think that they're like a good... I don't think that their chemistry is like really, really worked for me in terms of like, oh, how they interacted with each other because, you know... Own is more of a straight man kind of character. And Takahashi, he's constantly yelling. Like, his nickname is given in the chapter is Toxalot-E. Which is, well, kudos to the uh, translation on that one. Because it might have, it must have been difficult to kind of find an equivalent to whatever the original uh, pun was. But that, that worked really well. But yeah, I mean, the nickname is n- certainly appropriate because... Takashi does talk a lot, uh, and he yells all his lines. So to me, he kind of graded as a character a little bit. Like he's he's pretty strim- a simple, good natured guy, and that's that's it. So like in terms of like the long term like dynamic between these characters, like I don't know, I didn't feel the connection so much, so much as I felt like I understand where Own is coming from and like what he wanted to do. But, like, if this were to be expanded into a series, I, I, ha- I have to wonder, like, what's going to be, like, the tipping point that makes Own join the club? Or, like, is there going to be more to Takahashi beyond, like, this simple like, characterization we're presented with here? And this is only one shot. So, in terms of the self-contained story, there's a clear, like, conflict that gets resolved by the end of it. But, you know, it still ends at a point that wasn't, terribly satisfying to me like i didn't feel like oh yeah here's the heart here's the feels of this of the story man like to me this was more of a comedy uh i mean where it shine most were the comedic moments and i think that's what omano was going for because there were so many ridiculous elements to it especially like the backstory for own like the all the stunts all the all the weird training that his grandfather puts him through from his childhood. Literally from zero years old. Like, clearly this is, it's not to be taken too seriously because, like, as a baby, he's being made to do all these ridiculous hockey things. So, of course, he's, like, superhumanly good at hockey, it seems. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, the comedic moments, I think there were a lot of funny stuff. Like, I liked, I thought it was really funny when he uh, shot his cookie into Takashi's mouth. That was, like, uh, there's just a lot of uh, personality to own for such a character devoid of passion and interest in the world around him. So I, I do like that. I did kind of gravitate towards that. Uh, but I feel I've been talking a lot, but I, that's because I also know that Colton, you didn't have uh, <laughs> a much to say about this. So I was just trying to get out everything, all the ideas I had uh, to, to start off. Sid's right. I haven't been talking too much because I, I was, mm, I want to say 99.9% bored with most of this one shot, which I mean, I didn't really think it was like bad it just just nothing about it clicked with me at all 
except for the small moments of comedy here and there. Like, I didn't I didn't even really think they were laugh out loud funny. I mostly was just kind of like, <laughs> like, you know, uh, I kind of chuckled at like stuff like, you know, Owen's grandfather literally give, giving him a hockey stick and puck as a, as a newborn child. Like, you know, s- stuff like that is kind of funny. But I think that, I, I mean, I don't really know where to pinpoint my, I guess, my boredom with this one shot. Because, uh, like I was saying earlier, like, I think ice hockey is like, you know, to me, it's one of the most exciting sports that, like, I will actually sit down and watch. So, I don't know. I guess I was just kind of disappointed in how, like, most of, like, the hockey match in this one shot was conveyed. Because, like... <sighs> I don't really know, and see, and this is a problem with me not diving into Amano's work almost at all, because like I said earlier, I've only read the first volume of Reborn, and obviously her art back then is so much different than it is now, and and even then I don't really, I don't really have a very clear memory of like what her art was like back at the start of Reborn even, but it's evolved since then, obviously, but like, I don't know, I felt like as far as the hockey match went, like... Uh, to me, like, to me, like, her art was, like, I don't know, I, I want to say messy, but, like, I'm not even sure if that's the right word. Like, I couldn't really, I had a hard time trying to, like, actually read what was going on. I had a hard time actually trying to tell, like, you know, what was going on during the match. Because, like, I, I feel like her art isn't clean enough for this kind of thing, Um, at least to me anyway, like... I, I think that's the thing is I would love to see an ice hockey manga, but I don't think that Amano is the right artist for this kind of thing. Like, I just don't think I just don't think her art is um, is necessarily um, I don't want to say it's not good enough because I don't necessarily think she's a bad artist. I just don't think she's a right fit for the subject material, I guess, because like I said, I I think hockey is very exciting, but like. You know, since I had a hard time trying to tell mostly what was going on, like, I just, I couldn't really get into the match at all. I don't think Amano's art is messy so much as she uses so much line work that the panels become really hard to read. I really agree with you that the action sequences, not just the hockey match itself, but even before that, when The Rock is coming towards Owen and he's like maneuvering it with his broom even sequences like those were really hard to follow in terms of what is the action going on here between these panels i said before that i think amano is a really good illustrator and her still illustrations convey a lot of good information through subtle touches in her art but in these like sequences like i'm having trouble following the flow of the movement like how things are moving exactly battles yeah and her use of line work it goes so overboard to turn the attention back to like that scene where uh, Owen is like throwing the rock with the broom like there's so many lines that are happening here first there are like these impact lines that are supposed to indicate like this is the momentum of the hit but then there's these speed lines that are like zooming in towards it that are trying to indicate the position of where the rock was there's like the strike 
there's like these lines that are supposed to indicate the strike of the broom and it's just really confusing like where the direction of the movement we're supposed to focus on is and it isn't really a dynamic composition either because we're looking straight on it own and he's like flinging the broom in front of him but the rock is moving sideways to the right and then the sound effect towards that, the whack is like moving towards the bottom. Like there's just so many different directions the line work is moving here that I don't understand like the, where I'm supposed to look, what I'm really supposed to understand in terms of what is happening just within this, you know, single panel. Like, you know, if I look at it just like as a cool image, like, you know, I, it's sort of good. It, I, I, I mean, it's fun it's fine on its own but then i when i'm trying to understand like what the movement within this is i don't understand it and especially in relation to all the other panels preceding it i don't understand how we got here with the rock when he like first gets it in and he's like moving with his like where did how did it get to this point and so then we get into the ice hockey match in itself and then those are like amplifying those problems in that one page even more because now we have more characters involved and they're going in multiple different directions and ultimately what's really happening here is just a back and forth but I'm not sure like where the position of the characters are supposed to be and a lot of it is due to also there's so much like constraint in these panels like so much is like crammed into these panels that I, I we don't really get a good shot of the ring and shot of like the positions of the characters so I, i'm not really sure like where Owen is supposed to be where the other players are supposed to be and so it's like it, it to me it seems like oh they're just wherever they need to be uh in this scene but like i don't know how that relates to like how they're playing the game ultimately it doesn't matter much the context of this game because once own gets the puck it's like it just doesn't matter. He just keeps the puck. Uh, I mean, they try to rush him at one point. But, like, when he's, they're trying to push him out of the ring, like, I don't understand where the edge of the rink is to begin with. So when they're trying to do that, I'm like, oh, that that's what they're trying to do? I didn't, didn't understand. So, again, like, the sense of space and where the characters are in this match was just completely confusing. And adding to the problems I was discussing before with like I don't understand where the line of action is what is the action I'm supposed to focus on within a panel and within the sequence of panels like it's really messy in terms of this action in general so like I don't have experience like Reborn was a shonen fighting manga so I don't know like how Amato communicated action in that and Elves Live I think is like the same way as an action manga but like as in terms of sports action like, I don't think, and not, it didn't really come together for me because I couldn't understand, like, how the sport was being played at all. To me, what I took away from the chapter and what I, like, ended up enjoying was just the comedy, again, and the and the characters, uh, mostly just Owen and his grandpa. But, like, when I, as an actual sports manga, and in terms of, like, getting invested in the sport and, like, feeling the excitement, the energy, the action of the sport, like, you know, you have characters colliding with each other. You have, you have like, the opponent team, like, bomb-rushing own. But I did not feel the impact of their blow. Like, literally, a guy crushes into own. He rams into own. But I didn't feel, like, the impact of, like, how he was getting hurt when they were getting rough with him. Like, it just 
did not communicate all. They bashed into this guy. They flew him all the way across the other side into the wall. Like, that's what's going on in the scene. But I was like... I was, like, not really feeling that just from the images itself. I had to, like, take a step back and, like, flip back pages and, like, wait, oh, oh, that's what they did, oh. But, like, in a great sports manga, you feel that. You feel every blow. You feel, like, every kick. You 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 feel like you're in the action. Like, you can kind of viscerally understand, like, what that action feels like how it hurts how tired the characters are like the if they're you know getting physically hurt or damaged like you should feel that pain like at heart a sports manga should really be just as good as any battle manga yeah i mean exactly and you know also you just like in real life if you're watching a sport you know you can see someone like get hurt or like you can see someone make that kick and you like can you can like feel like okay you can see and you can like imagine and you because it's right there in front of you oh my gosh so this is what's happening oh this guy got hurt this guy got like crushed by all these other guys oh my god oh man that yeah, looks like painful you should be able to see and feel that yeah, especially when it comes to ice hockey in particular, like I, I can't even like talk about like how many games I've watched with my friends where like 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 watch watching actual ice ice hockey is exciting because like you see people just like slam the puck just every which way. You have guys like ramming each other into the wall, and every time something like that happens, I I like I wince. Like I was kind of hoping I would feel something like that while reading this one shot, but like. Again, like you said, whatever like impact some of these moments are, you know, should have like it's just not there at all. Mm-hmm. And I didn't mention this at the top of the show, but like as a kid, I did play ice hockey pretty regularly. So, you know, I know the sensation, the feeling of like skating across the ice and feeling that friction of sliding, of feeling like disoriented on the ice rink and like ramming into people, like getting uh, knocked into the rink, all that kind of stuff. Like the sensation of hitting the hockey stick with the puck, uh, the puck with the hockey stick and all that. So, you know, I, w- I did not get any of those visceral sensations. None of that like came back to me as I was reading this one shot when I was reading this action and like you know if a, a great sports manga like I they'll make you even if you haven't played the sport like they they should make you feel like what that sensation would be and like so you can really kind of feel like oh my gosh you're there with these characters and like you're feeling their struggle and pain yeah but like I just did not get that from the action in this chapter at all I sort of have to disagree uh with, with uh one of your points earlier i wish i got as much out of the characters and comedy that you did because like i don't think the comedy's bad like to me there are good ideas in there for for like jokes and stuff but like i didn't really think they were executed that well or at least not in the way that like i thought was funny and you know i mean i didn't really care about own like at all but you know and i've never read you know, Prince of Tennis, I've maybe read like of like a volume, like te- again, 10 years ago at this point. But like uh, your comparison between Own and Ryoma, because I, I kind of at first thought like what what you said about Ryoma being like 
basically being an insufferable prick. Um, I kind of, I, I kind of thought about own, but like the more I thought about it, like you know, own's not really like he's not a bad person at all. He's not completely arrogant. Like he's capable of seeing like the good in people, and you know, he he respects Takahashi at least a little bit by the end, which is nice. But like. I don't know. I guess that's that's my problem with the characters, too, is I could forgive the lackluster action as far as the actual sport went, as long as, like, I was invested in the characters. And honestly, I thought the characters were so basic that I had a hard time feeling any kind of attachment to them, honestly. And I think it would have been nice for Owen to have at least some kind of character arc, or at least have some kind of resolution to his character arc. Because like you said, it just it just kind of ends with Owen really being the same person and still being kind of apprehensive towards ice hockey in general. So like Owen's not a bad character, but like I think he's the kind of character that I think I would have to spend more time with in order to become more attached to him, I guess. And like I said, everybody else was just so basic that I just, you know, you literally could have replaced him with any other character with a different name and design and you know i think the story and whatever feelings i had during the one shot would have just stayed the same yeah own is not a very compelling character but he he had a personality at least so i could latch onto that that's fair yeah uh, but i agree at the same time while i kind of like the amusing dynamic between him and his grandfather you know and how crazy his grandpa was to me, like the dynamic between Owen and his grandpa were like pretty similar to Yawara and her grandfather and Yawara. Except, you know, Naoki Urasawa is a great sequential storyteller and knows how to communicate action in his story really well and is actually really great at comedy too. So, you know, honestly, if you want a series that's like similar in terms of like just the dynamic between these characters, I would point you to Yawara, I guess. Uh, it's not an ice hockey manga, it's a judo manga. But So that that's like the comparison that immediately came to my mind. Uh, but, you know, I, I did like that dynamic still within this chapter, even if it felt uh, familiar to me. But yeah, the other characters, they were basic. I actually did not care for Takashi at all because he was just so simple. Yeah. And I honestly found the fact that he was like, yelling all his lines and they were all bold uh, in bold text and it was is like okay i'm I'm, get, I'm actually getting exhausted <laughs> reading these guys as lines even though it, it wasn't that text dense you know all things considered so uh, yeah again i i don't i didn't i walked away from this one shot you know having a positive impression of the potential of the premise but uh I'm not like super into the, you know, execution. I'm not because either, no. I just I don't think that all the elements have really added up to something cohesive. Like there's a good nugget of ID uh here in terms of the comedy and like the dynamic between Owen and his grandfather and like playing that up. But then everything else around it and the actual action and conveying the hockey game like none of that worked for me really so i i'm i'm not negative on the ch- i'm not negative on the one shot but i'm not like positive on it either i find what it did well well and what it didn't do well interesting so that's why i had a lot to say about it i guess um yeah like <laughs> This this is probably going to sound really nerdy, but like uh, when I was on Annie list earlier, 
kind of adding this to like you know my list or whatever I, I actually had a really hard time as far as like a numerical score because like i was bored with it so like when i'm bored with something like it's it's easier for me to rate something that like i either really loved or really hate but as far as like something that like i think is really boring and something that like i know i'm not going to think about like the next day or whatever it's really hard for me to give like a numerical value to something like that so like i i think i spent like 5 minutes trying to think like what number would i give this like out of 10 and i think i ended up giving it like a 3 because like i really just was not into amano's art as far as her action sequences at all and like i said i didn't really care about the characters and it was just one of those things where it's like i really really want a really cool ice hockey manga and this to me just isn't it this this is this is something i really struggle with when it comes to like talking about say like uh like canceled jump series or whatever where it's like i really like the ideas here but does that mean it's any good <laughs> like that's something i i constantly struggle with but i think in this case it's very clear that like i i like the idea of the premise like i want an ice hockey manga but um i feel like the ideas conveyed in this one shot just aren't executed very well and honestly i feel like i'm probably gonna end up forgetting this one shot most for the most part like i'll probably every once in a while i'll probably be like oh oh yeah that exists and then i just won't think about it again yeah it's a shame i want to like akira mano stuff but everything i've seen from her i haven't really gelled with so i was hoping hot could be the thing that was like okay finally i'm into something she's done but well, it's definitely the most positive impression I've had of any of her work so far, but it's still not something that I'm in love with. Yeah, like, as somebody who who has barely read any of her other stuff, like, like I, like, I, I just want to say I, I do not think she is, like, bad at what she does, per se. But, like, this also doesn't give me hope that I will necessarily enjoy, like, either Reborn or Eldalive, honestly, personally speaking. Like... I don't know, just just as far as her work goes, it wasn't, like, the best impression. Yeah, you could say we were pretty cold on hot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, like, the best way to put it. Um, I think we could probably just actually end the discussion there, because I don't really have anything else to say about it. Pretty much, and I think that does it for this episode of Manga Mavericks. Yeah, so, I guess for now, uh, Sid, where can the good people find you? You can find me as at Lone Ramayasha on Twitter, Annie List, Animation Revelation, wherever there is a Lone Ramayasha, you can find me under that name. And you can read my reviews on all-comic.com. I write monthly manga reviews for the Dragon Ball Super manga, as well as just reviews of new anime films or any other manga that I'm reading. My most recent reviews at the time of this recording have been for the Sailor Moon movies that have been shown theatrically recently. So you can check out my reviews of Sailor Moon, the movies on there. And uh, yeah, that's that's uh, it for now. All right. Yeah, definitely go check out Sid's reviews and uh, go follow him wherever you can find alum Ramayasha. But uh, as for me, you can follow me. I'm Colton. You can follow me on Twitter at SniperKing323. 
as well as listen to my other podcast that I do, uh, first being Life Lessons, the Gintama Maka cast. It's on a hiatus at the moment, but uh, we still have a we still have a nice nice enough backlog that you could check out. Uh, if you're a fan of Gintama and uh, you're interested in the old Viz Media release from way back when, uh, this is the podcast for you. Uh, again, that's Life Lessons, the Gintama Maka cast, and you want to go visit that at gintalifelessons.wordpress.com. As well as One Podcast Prevails at OnePodcastPrevails.com. Essentially the same kind of show, except my friend Doctor and I from the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast uh, record and talk about Detective Conan slash Case Closed. Uh, So if you're a fan of that series in particular, please go visit OnePodcastPrevails.com. I think you'll enjoy the show. Uh, But as for the podcast and all comic... Uh, you can find every episode of the podcast over at all-comic.com. That's where we post every episode first. Uh, you can also follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. Uh, but if you want to follow the podcast in particular, you want to follow Manga Maverick specifically, uh, you want to follow us on Twitter at manga underscore Mavericks. That's where we post every update on the podcast first. Um, as well as mangamavericks.tumblr.com. Uh, you can also follow us on youtube.com slash mangamavericks. That's where we post excerpts of our, of the podcast, uh, discussions, uh, and whatnot, such as our discussions on the latest jumpstart, such as uh, Seiji Tanaka and Alice and Tayo. I know Sid put those up pretty recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we are only a couple subscribers away from 200 subscribers, so... Definitely make sure to subscribe to us on there and break us through 200 subscribers. Uh, I plan on doing another special live stream once we reach that uh, mark. And so, yeah. Um, also, if you have anything you want to email us about, uh, what did you think about Akira Himano's Hot uh, and all of her other works, such as Reborn and Elda Live? Uh, what do you think of the podcast? What are you reading? Uh, what do you want to hear us discuss? Um you know, just email us anything about what you're reading, what you think about the podcast, and all that, and uh, we'll read it on the show. But you can send us those emails over at mangamavericks at gmail.com. Uh, but the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that definitely helps the visibility of our show and uh, just helps us uh, get our show out there, get, gets our show to more people in general. But, uh, yeah, I think that's about it for the show. And, uh, yeah, I guess uh, with all that out of the way, that's, that's pretty much about it for the show. So this has been episode 56 of the podcast. And we will see you guys next time for episode 57. Bye, guys. Sayonara. Sayonara.